dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Hello, um, sister. I don't think Father Deacon Jonathan can hear us. He's looking a little confused. I think he can. He just, he's just I not did. sure if he should say glory forever or not. <laughs> no, actually, I did not hear glory to Jesus Christ, but I heard oh. him say glory forever and everything came in. Oh. Uh-oh. Um, as long as you can hear us now. <laughs> should we just start over? No, we're good. Okay, great. Well, then we'll just start with that fantastic awkwardness. Well, it's always my episodes that are awkward. It's like, even, it's just like, it just comes with me. Um, this is Jesus' particular love for you. Well, you, if, you if you stopped claiming you were awkward, because you're really not awkward, but if you, if, you, if you stopped claiming you were awkward, Jesus may not be saying, well, I guess I need to affirm her self-identification <laughs> as being awkward. I'll just make her awkward so she's not telling any lies. When I, um, I texted Cowboy before my, uh, before my Matt Fratt interview, and I asked him to um, pray that the awkwardness be kept to a minimum or something, and he responded and he said, uh, he was like, Sister Natalia, I think that we all love you because of your awkwardness, not in spite <laughs> of it. And I was like, oh, that's nice. That's um, what I mean when I say your charm. Yeah, it's that's just you what you mean. You. <laughs> uh, speaking of cowboy, well, first I want to introduce, um, we have Father Deacon Jonathan Dean on Yay. with us today. So that's very exciting. Um Father Deacon Jonathan is assigned to Holy Angels out in San Diego. He's with us from our eparchy of Phoenix. And um, we're having him on to talk about, there There have been some things in other episodes that Father Michael and I didn't really delve into or that we kind of glossed over in probably fairly inaccurate ways. But uh, I asked Father Deacon Jonathan to come on because he's much more of an expert in those areas. So we're going to delve into that today. So welcome, Father Deacon Jonathan. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. He's also a member of our listener advisory committee, so I didn't we, know if you uh, wanted to, people to know that. You we'll just edit that, that. No, it's we okay. won't. <laughs> <laughs> but Father Deacon Jonathan is also married and raising six children, uh, so it's always nice to have that complementarity on the podcast of celibates. <laughs> have a real so, person. <laughs> We're not real people. <laughs> We're not really real people. <laughs> um, so. Do you do you notice that my voice is a little uh, throaty today on the podcast? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I don't know if Father Deacon Jonathan knows. Did you know that Sister has the Rona? <laughs> Father Deacon? Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty. Do the listeners know? Do the listeners know? They no. do now. <laughs> this is our revelation. We have a tradition yeah. here of announcing uh, when we each get the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. after the fact, after we're, we're doing a bit better, at least. Well, I guess I recorded with the coronavirus um, the first one, if you remember that, Father Deacon, with a, with a baby that I was carrying in a carrier when I had it and then put next to me while the baby's mom was taking some photos of us uh, while recording. And then I had to realize that the man cold I thought I had was actually coronavirus. And the first person I texted was this woman, my, my goddaughter's mom just said like, I am so sorry, literally probably day one of the coronavirus, I was carrying your daughter in a carrier. So her guardian angel protected her, thank God. And uh, they, that whole family never got it, so. Yeah. 
Uh, shout out though. This is what I was thinking of with Cowboy just because she's a good friend of his, but Maddie Hebert sent me a care package that I just got today that has all of the things that she wished she had when she had COVID. And it was just the, like, I almost cried. I was so overwhelmed by the love. Um, and I also shout out to, I've been, I've the past couple of days, I've just been getting packages that some of them have notes and some don't. I'm assuming they're from listeners. I'm assuming they're life profession gifts. One of them is this coffee mug that I'm drinking out of that says, I fell in love with the man who died for me. And it's like, the, I was like, that's sweet. Oh, um, that is cool. But someone sent me a board game and uh, Mel Kite Joe sent a copy of the collection of the works of Oscar Wilde. Oh. Since we talked about the picture of Dorian Gray. So that's pretty cool. And that actually, remember, we, we've kind of gotten away from the whole uh, starting out our podcast by saying, hey, here's something we said wrong or we've said since fulfilled or learned something else about since the last episode. But um, we're, we're a few episodes away from it, of course. But when, when I did the episode, I think Hidden Sin's Perceivable Virtue on uh, on Oscar Wilde's, we had that. Uh, I've gotten so many direct messages from all y'all listeners um, informing me that uh, Oscar Wilde likely received Catholic uh, the Catholic sacraments at the end of his life. And even somebody said, not only <laughs> renounced a lot of his very public sin, um, but kind of uh, clarified in his own mind. Uh, one person was very eloquent saying he he kind of analyzed it and was ide- able to identify in a very elegant way. Of course, he's a very eloquent man. He's a brilliant writer, but about why it was sin, how he mm-hmm. felt. Like he did a kind of a deep dive into into human sin and everything like that. It's almost like if he'd had a miraculous healing, he probably could have been very, very eloquent about sin in general and 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 how our passions and our emotions uh, get the better of us. I mean, I love when people come to confession and say, here's my sin and here's how it came on. Here's how I gave into the temptation. Here's how I kind of embraced it as my own. And they they do a deep dive, especially with repeated sin where someone has her habitual sin when they come and they'll say, you know, here's how this time was the same as the other times and here's how this time was different. And I think that that, that clarity and eloquence can really only come out of a, an ongoing dialogue with our Lord. Um, so quick note, if you're, if you're ever so ashamed of your sin that you don't even talk to Jesus about it, that's a problem. So the, the, it could be a very, very good, sometimes we're too ashamed of our sin to talk to the priest about it or spiritual director about it or family about it, but but never, please never let the devil convince you that you're too ashamed of your sin to say, Jesus, okay, like, Lord, let's go over this again. Here's what happened. Here, here's why I think why. Can you please give me any clarity on, on how the devil had access to this part of my mind or my brain or my body or whatever it is, so... Mm. Anyway, random thoughts at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Well, that's appropriate because I'll be, um, when you're here next week at some point, I need to um, have my life confession before my profession. Oh, that's right. So. That's going to be awesome. I'm going to have so many stories to tell next week, y'all. <laughs> like, Sister Natalia's life confession. <laughs> you got you to watch kidding. Goonies before. I still haven't watched. I've never seen the Goonies. My there's a, there's, a, there's someone, something like a, there's something like a life confession in that movie that's really funny. Really? Yeah. You you it's hilarious. Oh, wait a minute. Ah, that's right. I, I saw it recently. Father Nathan and I have and his family kind of have, have a movie night about once a month. And we Goonies is one of the movies and I forgot about that because it's that's right. I won't give it away for a sister, but yeah, it is it is done in a very funny way. Okay. <laughs> um 
I remember, I've probably told this story on the podcast before, but uh, I remember when it was, uh, you were preparing for the homily for my tonsure, Father Michael, and you like asked what the readings were going to be or whatever. And so I told you and, and um, I said, or you can just like um, act out, uh, um, like share a bunch of stories for me as like embarrassing, like 20 year old girl or whatever. And you were like, I'll just do a one man show of uh, our top confession moments. And when I told <laughs> when I told my current confessor that, he was like, He can't do that. There will be children there. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> it wasn't he can't do that no. because that would be immoral and wrong, but he can't do that because right. there will be children there. <laughs> right. This is only so, funny because you're is. really so pure and innocent. It would if you if you were a horrible sinner, these actually would not be funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Well, uh, if do either of you have any other shout outs or any random thoughts that you want to share before we get into the topic? Okay. Um, Father Deacon Jonathan, would you like to tell us um, uh, kind of what led to me asking you to come on one of our episodes and, and then you can just head into... Um, what you want to, you have a beautiful outline. You're much more organized than Father Michael and I, so uh, we can just work our way through that. Sure, that'd be great. I mean, honestly, if you want to get on this podcast, send feedback, and then maybe you'll get invited <laughs> to do stuff. I just wanted to give some tips and some advice about how to have some good conversations that are so timely right now, and uh, that's what got me here. So, to talk about. This, this topic that's everywhere. I mean, it was in the news just this morning. The Pope was asked, does he give communion to anyone? And people are debating. This was one of the previous episodes that you both spoke about. And as I think about people's response to questions like, who should receive communion? How do I look at this person who's different from me? How do I look at myself and understand myself? As, as you just said, Father, we need to be able to tell Jesus about all of our being. Our whole being mm-hmm. needs salvation, not just one component. It really inspired uh, the prayer tradition that we have as Byzantine Catholics, really inspired um, some reflections that, that I shared and I, and I would like to share with all you listeners as well. Thank and you. To do that, I, I, what I'd like to do is, is actually open with a prayer uh, our customary prayers uh, through the Our Father, and then kind of dig into those prayers and how they speak to us in our lives. Uh, so if, Father, you can say, thine is the kingdom, and then I'll do the rest, then we can say our customary prayers, especially if you're not Byzantine Catholic. But even if you are, we should we should know them. So I think for the sake of recording too, Deacon, we're just going to let, well, I'll begin and then we'll let you lead because sometimes if we try speaking it, they kind of are off. So I'll begin and then you know what you're doing and then we'll pray silently along with you. Cool. All right, blessed is our God, always, now and ever and forever. Amen. Heavenly King, comforter, spirit of truth, everywhere present and filling all things, treasury of blessings and giver of life, come and dwell within us, cleanse us of all stain and save our souls, O gracious one. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, have mercy on us. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, have mercy on us. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and immortal, have mercy on us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. Most Holy Trinity, have mercy on us. Lord, cleanse us of our sins. Master, forgive our transgressions. Holy One, come to us and heal our infirmities for your namesake. 
Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. I should also say, O oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise like a good deacon. Okay. Amen. <laughs> that, always, that, always, that always helps me because opening our lips is a serious thing. The tongue Amen. is powerful. And the, the emphasis I wanted to have here is the beauty of our prayer tradition is speaking to all of who we are. We call upon the Holy Spirit with that beautiful prayer, Heavenly King. And then we think about our sins. And no, this is not the sin episode, but in many ways, that's a focus of this Ouch. one. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Much to the chagrin of Olivia. <laughs> right? We pray, most Holy Trinity, have mercy on us. And then we ask for cleansing of our sins, forgiving our transgressions, and to have the healing of our infirmities. And I wanted to read from one of our forms of a catechism, as it were, not really question and answer oriented, but very briefly, when we think about sins and transgressions and infirmities, this book is volume three of the series Light for Life. And these are very quick definitions. It says on page 62 that sins refer to the conscious, willful acts of not heeding the signs. They damage us as well as others and lead to a weakening or termination of our communion with God, our true self and others, right? That's sort of the highest level of how we can fall short. And it's beautiful, right? That we're not being our true self. We're not in communion with God and we're not even in communion with others. These are conscious and willful acts, as it said. But sometimes our weakness, our sin is less blatant. And the second definition there, transgressions, speaks to that. Transgressions referred to in other prayers as unwilling, unknown, or involuntary sins concern situations or acts in which we have not knowingly disregarded the signs, but have been involved with acts that nevertheless cause damage. We are not guilty of the damage knowingly or freely, but it has occurred. Thus, we must pay taxes, but some tax revenue is used for things which we as Christians cannot in conscience support. Again, very timely topic in many ways. Mm -hmm. If I throw a ball to you and you fail to catch it so that it breaks a window, we have not voluntarily broken it, but the damage has been done and we are involved. And so we're asking for the healing and, and forgiveness of things like that, transgressions. Some theologians think that only something can be sin only if it's fully willed or willed at all. But in our tradition, we have involuntary sins. And it really speaks to the fact, as, as you heard, this analogy that if something's broken and there's damage, it needs healing, whether we wanted to do the thing or not. It's kind of eyebrow raising for some of my uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who have heard that things such as participating in a just war is an involuntary sin. Even a miscarriage is called an involuntary sin. It's not, again, there's no blame, 
but it speaks to woundedness. It and the seems last to cat- point. I'm sorry. Sorry, real quick. It seems to point, Father Deacon. Correct me if I'm wrong. Where the focus of the the one who commits, if you can use that word, the involuntary sin, the focus is actually on Christ and the healing more than on the offense itself, because it it can be it can be so traumatic. And I'm glad you're bringing this up. Um, it's actually very appropriate, rather than me bringing it up in the sin episode, which I will again when I do it. But um, that that you can have a situation like a miscarriage uh, that can, when the church calls that an involuntary sin, there there's a there's obviously none of the culpab. There's not the something done intentionally, no culpability, but there is a wound there that needs healing. And anybody who's had a miscarriage or loves someone who's had a miscarriage, like I'm sure we all have, there, there's, there's a very real sense of, there is a brokenness here that needs healing. And there is, uh, that brokenness, even it's a mystery. And so, so we're, we're crying out for healing. We're crying out for, for peace, for understanding, for all these things. But, but that, that crying out is a, is a focus more on the, the healer, on the physician of souls and bodies, who of course is Christ, rather than on, on the, the actors or the, the, the subjects within the sin. Um, I, I love the fact that there's a, let's take our eyes off our, ourselves, because I mean, sin is very, you know, perhaps different. let me see my own sin. But, but there's, a, there's a, a removal of the eyes, especially what the catechism here is calling transgressions, a removal of the eyes from the self onto the one who can heal. And I think the longer that our, our eyes stay on him and on the healing, um, the, the less the devil has the ability to, to bring us to shame. Like we so often here in the West think that in the West hemisphere, uh, Western culture, we oftentimes so quickly fall into shame after sin. There shouldn't be that in this case. So it's, it's a hard thing, I think, for a lot of you know, Western culture humans to hear, including me. Um, but but it, our eyes are on Christ, our eyes are on the healing that he brings through repentance, through confession, through, through grace. Um, it, it should, this should not be something that, is, that leads in any way to shame, but rather to uh, an, an anticipation and a looking forward to the healing that Christ brings. Which I think if, if people receive it with, um, with an open heart and, and are actually receiving it in the context of what both you and Father Deacon Jonathan are saying, there's a great beauty here in that we, these things are very wounding. Um, and like, like both of you are talking about, we're crying out for, for healing here. And um, without, without this, I think a lot of people don't really know where to go for that healing. And they, they just feel this ache, but they don't know what to do with it. And so, so being able to, to kind of categorize that in some sense and give it a space allows also for the space, the avenue for healing. And so yeah. it's actually a, a great gift if you can look at it in that light, in, in, not, in not shame, but in, in the light of... Um, like the the church offers us this this place for healing, then that can be, I think, a, a really beautiful thing. So, amen. Yeah, yeah. We're just seeing God in everything is really what's happening when we admit that there are things that we want healing for in mm-hmm. both sins and transgressions. And then, lastly, the third category from our prayer rule, prayer tradition is infirmities, and as it's defined here says that infirmities refer to personality <laughs> traits, attitudes, or weaknesses, which, while not sinful in themselves, nevertheless lead us into sinful situations. For instance, 
having a hair-trigger temper is not in itself immoral, but it does lead to concrete sins. Hmm. And again, to me, as I, as I think about your, what you've been saying and what our prayers say, it's really emphasizing that God is being invited to heal all of us, all aspects of our nature. And I think another thing that, that you've mentioned and I, and I, I want to bring up again is sometimes it can just be a cause of judgment of ourselves or of others. We think, how can God love that person or me? What is going on? Why is this horrible thing that, that's happening being allowed to happen? And I think that the church is telling us in our tradition that we can get healing from every aspect of who we are. And that that can be used to be a beautiful cross for us, as we are in the post-feast of the exaltation mm-hmm. of the cross. Mm-hmm. It is it is very interesting because there obviously, if you're if you have the same experience I do, so many people on the street, out in the world, have have sometimes it's just an excuse, and sometimes it really is a a barrier to faith is the existence of evil and the existence of suffering. Why, why would God, why would an all-powerful, all-knowing God um, allow suffering? And and again, I, I think the key here, and I, 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 you're just, you're going right at it, Father Deacon, I appreciate that, um, you know, jumping into the big topics because uh, that, that's good. But I, I think one of the, one of the answers to that in, in relation to, I think where you're going with this with transgressions, infirmities and sins, um, is that yes, the, the, the suffering needs to be seen in the context of the the potential healing it can bring if it is born like a, if I bear it, you know, like I bear the cross. Um, so the suffering is can be transfigured into the the means to the end of salvation, the means to the end of love. Um, so so I think when we when we see suffering as a distraction or as an impediment to faith, um, we're focusing on the suffering rather than on the the potential for that suffering to be turned into sacrifice and therefore into love and therefore into something that is healing and bonding and and ends in the salvation of our soul and and, and true happiness even before we die, you know, if, if someone embraces that well. Yeah, either that or it's meaningless and right. it's, it's unjust. Right. And I think that's what the world is crying out saying so often. Yep. Amen. This this problem of evil, if we don't see it in the eyes of the cross, it's just random. Mm-hmm. And that's how yep. many people feel about their lives is this happened and it's not good for me. Mm-hmm. But when we pray for healing and when we say before that in the customary prayers that the the heavenly king is everywhere present and filling all things, it has to include all things otherwise <laughs> It's, yeah. it's going to be an area of, of, of meaninglessness, which is so prevalent in our society. You know, yeah. I think um, I'm, I'm rereading right now. I'm finishing up. Uh, I have this book club with my dad and my mom and Mother Gabriella that we do every couple of weeks. But we're finishing up right now. I'm rereading Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Mm-hmm. And he just really nails this on the head. And it's like having reading Man's Search for, for Meaning and then comparing that to... Uh, Father Walter Chiswick's He Leadeth Me, it's like these these two people get exactly what you're saying, Father Deacon Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's all about uh, how if there's meaning in the suffering, then, then it's the whole, I think it was Nietzsche who said the, uh, 
um, like if, if a man has a why, he can survive almost anyhow. And um, so Frankel keeps coming back to that. But uh, anyways, yeah, it's just we, we just so often lose the, lose sight of the meaning. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think even as we, as we think more about who we are, right? Uh, the scriptures teach us that God created humankind in the image and likeness hmm. of God. And this is something that I had a hard time as a former Calvinist thinking about because God was in many ways not in all things. He was literally choosing some people for him and choosing people to hmm. go to hell and not be united to him. And that vision made it such that we were to be taught things like when Christ, uh, when St. Peter says, um, you know, um, what does it say about forgiving? Oh, I'm losing it. Uh, but there's a, there's, a, there's a prayer where you say, For, yes, forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. Mm-hmm. I was told <laughs> you will forgive somebody if they're open to it, because that's the way God is. He, he, if you're chosen, oh. you can... You can you will give and receive forgiveness. But if someone is not closed, God is not giving them forgiveness. And in many ways, they're sort of, they can be hated. Yeah, because wow. again, Christ was not in all things when someone goes against him. And I think one of the important things goes back to that Bible verse about image and likeness. And that is something that I learned again from this book, Light for Life. It says very clearly that All human beings are in the image of God, and not all are according to the likeness. Hmm. And I had never heard that uh, until I converted and became Catholic, that there's an aspect of who we are that is undeniably, we can can see God in all of them. And there is the image in every single person, but that likeness can be lost. In fact, one of our hymns speaks that Christ has come to, to raise up the likeness that had fallen. And we mm-hmm. hear about the likeness being given at baptism liturgically. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important way to look at the world because we can so often see the absence of a likeness in ourselves or in others and mm-hmm. say, I have no connection to God. But that's wrong. The mm-hmm. image of God is never going to be lost in anyone. But then on the flip side, if we just say, oh, yes, God's at present in all things, the images in all people, then um, you, could, you, could dis- you could be like thinking, well, then why are they so, um, you know, what's wrong? I mean, why isn't this, a, why aren't we living in utopia? Yeah. It's because yeah. the likeness is not being held to. A friend of mine recently talked about kind of the heart of Calvinism, and said that, and, and I, I, I only bring this up because I, I think you could say the same thing about some people's understandings, even of Catholicism or just of God in general. Um, he said, I, I, define, I define Calvinism as the devil wants all of us. God only wants some of us. And it was, it was like, that's a harsh, harsh thing to understand. Um, of course, the scriptures contradict that, you know, God wishes all to be saved, but, but there's a, to come to his image and likeness, but, but there's a, uh, but like some people think that way, Catholics think that way, Byzantine Catholics think that way, you know, like, like God doesn't want all of us. Like if I asked someone who, who came to me and said, which is more, this happens more frequently than I would like, you know, I, I think God is just, as my my buddy, shout out to Andrew Whaley says, you know, God is waiting for me to just to have a, a, a 
piece of meat on Friday. Him? My buddy, Andrew Whaley. You said what? my something buddy. There was a word before buddy. I don't know. Diga Jonathan says I'm right and you're wrong. Um, <laughs> um, so my, my buddy, Ad, maybe it was a skip of the technology or something. Anyway, my buddy Andrew really says, um, like God is just, sometimes people think that God is just waiting for them to have a bite of meat on Friday and then he's going to come down like a hammer. That was like, God's waiting for us to mess up in the slightest little way. And I, I think that's, there are many, many even Catholics, Byzantine Catholics who will say, if I say to them, if they think this way, does, does the devil want you? And they will say, yes, does God want you? And they may say, no, like that's horrible. That's absolutely horrible to Mm -hmm. think that some people think, and the devil loves us, the devil wants all of us. God only wants some of us. That is such a, I mean, it's, it's heretical. It's, and, but I can get the pain. If, if you actually saw the world and God that way, how incredibly painful life could be, um, Mm -hmm. but you know, so anyway, there's a, thank you, Deacon Jonathan for saying that there's, we're all in the image of God. And actually, I, I, I know you may think this, but um, so I'm, Father Deacon Jonathan invited me to uh, give a retreat this coming weekend uh, for the Diocese of San Diego. And, and actually a lot of the things you're saying, I feel like you can read my notes from this past week as I'm writing them into the retreat. So, uh, so I'm, I'm not copying this podcast, Father Deacon, when you hear my talks. Um, maybe I am part of it, but, um, but uh, the, the majority, there, there is a lot there, but it is that the, the trying to, when we find the image, if we're really struggling to love somebody or love ourselves, there's in a sense, if you can pray to and work to find find that image of God and love the person there. Like love them where they're in the image. They, they may have lost the likeness when they were seven years old and jettisoned it and never looked back. But the, the image of God will always, always, always be there. And you can love and support and, and, and care for them. Love our enemies, you know, love them there. Amen. Right. The image I, is I just want to, go ahead, Father Deacon. No, that's okay. Um, I just want to share a couple things. Um, I just a, a couple of quotes from. I've been I've been doing a little book study with our friend Talka on Christ our Pascha. I was telling you guys beforehand. I, I say study, but that's a strong word. It's really just the two of us are reading it together and then talking about it. But the she and I just met yesterday, and I realized that the section we were on was. Um, so Christ our Pascha is the Ukrainian Catholic Catechism. And the section that we were on is uh, par- starting around paragraph 121, which is humankind in the image and likeness of God. So I was like, oh, this is appropriate timing. I can bring some of this onto the podcast. But there's this, um, there's this great quote by St. Irenaeus of Lyons that he says, the image of God is the son, according to whose image humankind was made. And for this reason, he appeared in the last times to render the image like himself. So I wanted to start with that, but I want to share a couple other things as well, because we're talking about image and likeness, but I just want to draw the distinction of, of what does that mean that we have the image, but we've lost the likeness and, um, and just kind of touch on that a little bit. That's beautiful. Um, so, um, so the, the thing that I think most clearly delineates what likeness means versus image is something that St. John of Damascus says. This is also coming from Christ or Pascha. St. John of Damascus believes that the phrase after his likeness means likeness in virtue to God so far as that is possible. So that's how we're, we're made in his image because um, it's uh, because it was, again, from Christ or Pascha, it was precisely in the image of Christ, the incarnate son of God, that humankind was created. So humanity is 
the image lowercase i of the image uppercase i existing in Christ. And um, so that's why we can't lose that. But the likeness is, um, is, is the, our, our likeness in virtue to Christ. And so um, uh, St. Uh, Diadochus of Photiki says, our likeness to God requires our cooperation, which I really like. And mm. he says, when, when the intellect begins to perceive the Holy Spirit with full consciousness, we should realize that grace is beginning to paint the divine likeness over the divine image in us. But I really like that it, it requires our participation. And um, so then just very quickly, the last thing I wanted to share is um, from paragraph 125, it says, like Christ, human beings are persons. The growth of the human being from the image to the likeness of God is a personal growth. And so again, it's just going back to that. It's um, it's it's very much this this growth in in virtue into the likeness of the virtue of Christ. And part of the reason I like that is because we can get this. Um, I think we can get this misconception of thinking along the lines of as I become more virtuous, I become less human. Like something like, like virtue is not human. Virtue is, is, um, and when I, when I sin, that's when I'm being quote unquote human. But actually, according to the theology, it's like the more virtuous we become, the more fully human we become, but human in the sense of, of how Jesus Christ was human and, and the fullness of humanity that he had. And so I just really, I really like to point that, I'd really like to point that out that as we, as we grow in the likeness of God, we're actually becoming more human, not less. Um, we're becoming less bestial, if you will, but, but, but more human. Uh, and yeah. So I just wanted to put a kind of, kind of try to delineate between image and likeness a little bit before we move on in the conversation. Right. No, that's, that's so important. And, and, you know, Father John Bear is an Orthodox author who writes a lot about some of the fathers and, um, he has a book called Becoming Human, and he's, mm. it gets to that quote that the glory of God is man fully alive. Mm. Our, our full humanity is actually there. Um, I, I also did want to uh, share from the, the church fathers because they inspire us and guide us. And uh, in this same catechism, uh, the Life for Life, St. Athanasius the Great, there's a very famous quote of his, but the context talks about likeness as well. He states, it was in the power of none other to create anew for men the likeness of the image, except the image of the Father. He, the Word, indeed assumed humanity, that we might become God. He became he, the Son of Man, became man that we might become God. The true Son of God by nature took all of us upon him that all might assume God. He, the Word, is God-bearing flesh. We are spirit-bearing men. So our divine union, right, is not by nature to be like Christ, but it's by grace. But it's true humanity when you see that kind of hypostatic union, as it were. Mm. We, we start off as fully human, but our destiny in Christ, as it says mm. in the scriptures, is to be a partaker of the divine nature. And it's really mind-blowing stuff. 
Mm-hmm. I used to get in a little battle with my or my former co-host, Father Nathan Goebel. Whenever I'd quote Athanasius, you know, God became man that man might become God. He hated that. He's like, it's man be- may become like God, which is true as well. But I was like, dude, go big. Like it's, uni- <laughs> it's, it's union with God. And the union is so perfect that you become God, not mm-hmm. gods, not a God, but God, like you become God. God, one with God. And he would just sit there shaking. He said, it's like, nope, not going to say it. Like he, he wouldn't even say the words. You become like God. I'm like, well, it I is, mean, again, the likeness of God. But you become it, it's, God. It's, it's like if this is mirrored in, this union is mirrored um, in a symbolic way in the marital union that people experience here on earth, right? And St. Paul says the two shall become one flesh. He doesn't mm. say that the two shall become like each other. So I think that it's very appropriate to say that theosis is, or deification is becoming God. So Father Nathan go, well, now you got to take it up with Sister Natalia. So fight with her now. Oh, yeah. don't. I like Father Nathan. <laughs> I don't want to fight with him. I do too, but I still fight with him about these things. <laughs> but, but that's precisely right, right? When we think of divorce and we think of mm-hmm. disunity, mm. If, if we could understand our ontology, which is another thing that you guys have brought up. Here, so, so I'm always like, you guys are talking ontology and, and we're this is exactly what we can do when we think about that. Um, and God's love towards us that he would unite with us, that He we are called to be his bride. That is the church, men and women, as you've mentioned on other episodes. Um, you know, again, his love is is so clear, right? I mean, our first real priestly prayer that we hear in the divine liturgy calls, and it's and it's a very what God is not definition of who is God. He's mighty beyond description, glorious above all understanding, hmm. merciful without limit, loving us all beyond expression. And it's, hmm. it's that's our what God is not notion, right? That. He is mighty, but we can't even fully describe it. He's glorious, but we don't comprehend it. And his, his mercy has no limits. His love cannot fully be expressed. We see that when we have these infirmities, these transgressions and these sins, and yet we profess that he loves us. Mm. That, that's the prayer from Litany of Peace, correct, Father Deacon? Right. The, the first pr- okay. priestly prayer, uh, technically the prayer of the first antiphon, but we hear it out okay. loud in our tradition, right? Right. Um, Amen. And it's like, that's that's how we start the liturgy. But then, you know, as a parent, sometimes you're thinking about that kid running around or what have you. And it's like, well, if you want to be like the one who we are married to in Christ, that's the level of love and mercy. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really, really good stuff. I like that a lot. Um, I think that's like, you're right that that's just that priestly prayer totally... Uh, sums up the the apophatic theology. It's like got all of the. I like that a lot. So I'm glad you brought that on. I'll use that. Um, I'm going to start using that when people are like, "So why what God is not?" <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's really great. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I think another thing that's beautiful is our, again our hymnography. When we think about image and likeness, and we think about the venerable ones, uh, in you, O Father or Mother, the divine image was strictly preserved. Taking mm-hmm. up your cross, you followed Christ. That is the calling to restore the image and likeness that we see in the saints. And it's not a coincidence that taking up their cross, they follow Christ. This is the person who has that image strictly preserved. It's precisely mm-hmm. because of that. 
I would, yeah, and I would, I would almost even argue that, and maybe this is what you're getting at, that it's it's a merging of the image and likeness in that the image was strictly preserved, but the taking up the cross and following Christ, that's the likeness in the sense of that's choosing the life of virtue, um, that's choosing to imitate the virtue of Christ, and so, so the the likeness is added onto the image. Yeah, uh, that's very yeah. cool. I've never thought of that either. Yeah. So we, I think, you know. Sometimes I just think there's so many prayers that we sing, but are they in our hearts? And then do we live them out? Mm. Um, it, it's it's hard at times, but it, it's important because otherwise we will, again, see suffering as meaningless or think we have the right to hate someone or be apathetic and say, well, everything's fine. Christ has come, so I can be lazy. Mm-hmm. It's the exact opposite. Shout out to uh, Valeria uh, who you all know from the podcast, she came to morning prayer this morning and it was her first time able to make morning prayer um, because uh, because of her school schedule. So now she can. So she she came out here and, and we were praying mat- matins together. And so we were, it was the first time where I just said, hey, just stand next to me and we'll alternate the Psalms, we'll alternate these things. And she's so used to our green books that has all the, all the music in it that when I we started using the matins book that doesn't have the music in it, she was just so unused to having melod- singing melodies without music that we were alternating. And then as soon as we're done, I think with Psalm 50, she just, she like stops and says, can I not do that again? And, and she said, I just, I, I'm not able to pray like when I'm doing it, I said, oh, welcome to the world of cantering. Like when you're cantering, <laughs> you you have to go through this whole process of of focusing more on the words and how you say them and where the melodies are and where the ups and the downs are in a melody. But I said, like, promise you, the prayer will come back again. But I, I thought it was, it was so beautiful that she said, it wasn't just like, I'm trying to learn how to sing. It was actually, I used to pray this. When you would mm-hmm. sing it and I'd sing along with you, I would pray it. But now that you're asking me to do part of it, it's actually hard to pray because now I'm having to accomplish something. And I was like, yeah, that, that's, I, I loved the fact that she was so insistent upon, I don't want to do something that actually takes away from my prayer, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's something about participation. So yeah, there's, I, I get that, Father Deacon. We do that all the time. Where, we, How many prayers do, have we said a million times in our life and not really thought about, not really spoken from our heart, not act, like we're talking to God, but we're just kind of saying the words because they're there in the book. Um, that that could be a real danger, but also a real opportunity to say, we have almost have these memorized, but have we really ever embraced them and said them from our hearts? Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't I, want to despair either on that, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, a quick, um, a quick Good side point. story similar to to what you're saying, Father Michael, is I recently shout out to Damien Junta. He gave me a he shared with me an excerpt of the life of the the martyrdom of Saint Bartholomew, and this is the most extensive. Um, you know, Bartholomew is my patron, and this is the most extensive writing I've seen on the martyrdom of St. Bartholomew. And so it was cool to um, be able to get a little more information. And in part of it, he's talking with this king who's just had this big conversion because Bartholomew has healed the king's daughter. And as he's talking to the king, he makes this beautiful analogy about how the king, um, about how Adam, and, and this just like really adds to the whole the whole typology of Christ is the new Adam. Um, Adam is born of a virgin mother of the virgin earth. And, and Bartholomew is going on to say how um, the, the earth is virgin in the sense that no blood has yet been spilled on her. And, and it's just like, 
this beautiful image that was totally mind blowing to me. Um, and he's talking about how then then Jesus was born of the Virgin Theotokos, and mm. and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I've never thought of this before. I've never even heard this before. And then the next day at Matins, <laughs> we have a sessional hymn that we pray every single week. That's like talking <laughs> about uh, talking about uh, the Theotokos as being like the Virgin Earth. And I'm like, I've prayed this a hundred thousand times, <laughs> like, but um, it's it's beautiful, rich stuff. So, Amen. yeah, a very holy man, uh, Father Robert Pipta. He once talked to me about this, and he gave me a beautiful image that has helped me not to despair and to just take it in when it comes to me. Is he said that our ritual of prayer is like the waves of the ocean. And, you know, sometimes you're not paying attention to them. You're not at the beach. But when you're there and you feel them, you're encountering the beauty of the earth and, of course, the beauty of, of God. Uh, and and that, that's kind of... What I've tried to do, because I, I like Valeria, as you mentioned, you know, cantering, sometimes you're just like, am I going too fast? Am I going too slow? And serving as a deacon is even harder now. So, um, it's, <laughs> yeah. but, but it, you, yeah, you just enjoy those moments where the waves kind of can mm-hmm. hit you and you have that That's union beautiful. with the divine. Um, well, Father Deacon Jonathan, did you want to touch on at all uh, maybe what you wanted to share about the spiritual, the therapy of spiritual illnesses? Or do you want to, is there... Yeah, yeah. We we can never do justice to these beautiful and profound topics. Yeah. There's so much that can be said, and we're scratching the surface is not even adequate. We're not even doing that. But I have greatly appreciated a scholar named uh, Dr. Jean-Claude Larcher, and he has a three-part series. It's called The Therapy of Spiritual Illnesses, and uh, I highly recommend uh, getting it. And what he does is tells us about these stories of our spiritual life, our our health, our fall, our passions, and then our therapy of these these illnesses. So, for example, uh, you know, I could go to just any page, really. But when he is, is writing, it's not really him giving you his opinion. He talks a lot about things, about... Um, the sin, the fall, and, and sin and its consequences. And so just as, as one point, right, when he talks about the medical categories that are used to designate sin, and, and again, we talk about infirmities, uh, if I just look at the several pages, there's, there's dozens and dozens of citations from the church fathers. And this really, you know, we can find a quote here or there, but this is all organized into a story, again, of how we were healthy and then how we can have our, our fall. And what does this look like? How it's, how they're different pathologies. So in the, in the chapter on the pathology of fallen man, he says, he organizes it into pathology of knowledge, pathology of desire and pleasure, pathology of aggressiveness, pathology of freedom, mm-hmm. pathology of memory, pathology of the imagination, pathology of the senses and bodily functions. In essence, we can see in that loss of likeness every aspect of the likeness being missing mm. or, or broken. Yeah. And, and so then he, he goes and explains how they then manifest in the different passions. And he categorizes them and shows. But of course, he doesn't stop there and just say, these are all the sins and look at this miserable hmm. world. He then <laughs> talks about what kind of therapy can we have? So uh, he has in volume two, the overview here is the general conditions of therapy. So chapter one is Christ the physician. Chapter two, sacramental therapies. Chapter three, the subjective conditions for healing and health. Chapter four, the process of healing, inner conversion. 
And then he then goes on to talk about what that looks like to then be healed. What even chapters on how does a spiritual father or spiritual mother help you? How do we fight against our thoughts, which you've talked about in many recent episodes? Uh, and how does, how does uh, he calls it adjuvant therapy, which is very medical, coming from a biology background as I do. Uh, that's a very common used word, adjuvant. And, and what the adjuvant therapy is, a nun or a monk would love this. It's bodily asceticism. And so he really talks about how the likeness can come back from a experiential perspective as well as the concepts. And, and the very last part, save the best for last, is called the therapy of passions and the acquisition of virtues. And it's, it's very clear. He, each chapter basically goes through all the passions, gluttony, lust, love of money and greed, sadness, akedia, anger, fear, vainglory, pride. What's the therapy for them? And then the very last part of volume three is health restored. Chapter one is impassibility, meaning nothing can really, you know, sway you. Charity, our life in love like Christ. And chapter three, knowledge. So this journey of healing that we have in our prayer tradition in these church fathers is something that we're called to. But I think um, we just need to know that this is our calling so that we can go on that journey. Mm. I wish we had more, and I'm, I'm just getting mad at myself here, but better spiritual fathers and, and, and <laughs> more, more of a, more of a tradition in the church of being eloquent about these things. Because I, I think if people truly saw a parish and our faith tradition and the spiritual pilgrimage that we're all on saw it as truly a, a, a process of real healing and of real therapy and said, if I walk, if I walk throughout the liturgical year, if I walk throughout the the life of a parish, these these revelations about my various sins and vices, these revelations about, you know, evil thoughts and then the hope that that comes from the knowledge of my own sin, you know, the walking through fasting seasons and feasting seasons. You know, I, I, I would love just to be able to say that when you when you're the member of a parish and when you have a spiritual director, like the these these you're you're going to fall into a certain um path that is going to be hard. It's going to be the cross, but, but you're going to be guided by mother church. You're going to be guided by Jesus Christ. And, and, and you're going to be guided towards these, these healings in healthy ways. Just even as a pastor and a priest, my gosh, it's everything just seems so random. You know, I, 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 I know for that, for, you know, hundreds of years, we have this liturgical year. We have fasting seasons, feasting seasons, saints. We have, you know, the, the 12 major feasts. We have Pascha, we have all these things that, that, that could be so much more intentional towards the salvation of the soul, the growing more in the likeness of God, theosis. I mean, I just, man, I, I need to read these books, Father Dixon, but I just, I'm right now I'm just like saying, why, why aren't our parishes, our parish life in a spiritual direction more oriented towards this type of healing and health spiritually? Hmm. And, and I think it's the answer to, um, and this has come up multiple times this episode, but it's like, it's what the world is crying out for. And, mm-hmm. and they're there. Yeah. And, and we're getting this, the world is getting this yeah. in like pieces yep. from various um, like secular sources or mo- even, not even necessarily secular, even like the modern religious sources. Um, and, but actually like this healing is in our ancient faith mm-hmm. and we're trying to reinvent the wheel in many ways. Um, and, 
And there's just like, like you see pieces of it with um, like Brene Brown, you know, is all about the vulnerability mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And, and don't get me wrong, like I've listened to a couple of Brene Brown things um, and I really like a lot of what she has to say, but I think it doesn't like, she doesn't quite get all the way there. And so it's kind of, it, it stops short. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so there's, there, are other, there are other places like this that have um, the partial aspects of, of the truth of healing um, when there's like a deep richness there within the, the traditions that we can go back to instead of trying to reinvent the wheel. Amen. Yeah. I mean, even our, our, the Father Michael mentioned the year, but every day is an opportunity to connect with this. You think of the hours, right? We think of the light at the first hour. We think of the Pente- of Pentecost at the third hour. We think of the crucifixion at the sixth and the death at the ninth. Well, if we're thinking about that, then it can help us understand our suffering and then, of course, after death comes resurrection, and we can celebrate that. And then there's a weekly cycle where we do have that same notion of the Lord's Day, you know, Sunday as as the day of resurrection, and you know, other themes that that can speak to us as we go through the weeks. Mm. Amen. Well. Um... This has been super great, Father Deacon Jonathan. As you continue to notice places that we kind of gloss over certain theological concepts, I'm sure we'll have you back on at some point to, to help us delve deeper. So that's been really helpful. Um, but Father Michael and I just get so excited about talking about all these different things that we kind of like don't do them justice. Uh, but um, it's, been really, it's been really wonderful to have you on. So thank you for that. Do you guys have any uh, closing comments before we do... Um, before we do prayer intentions and closing prayer. Well, Father Deacon, Jonathan, bef- uh, anything else in my, but is there anything you want to promote? I mean, I, you, I know you have a blog, if you want to share that or anything else like that. Um, I, I actually, part of your, part of your explanation of um, the unintentional sin, you know, transgressions, you, you went into a lot of detail on one of your blogs. Um, do you remember what it was called? Or they can just search your blog. If you want to share it. It's involuntary sin in the state of grace. It's kind of comparing the West and East there. I don't actively blog. Honestly, I've just begun. I'm under two years old as a deacon. So I'm still learning to walk. And, uh, but my pastor graciously has asked me to start giving homilies. So I'm pretty much doing one a week. If if he's on Sunday morning, I'm on Saturday morning. I do have a goal of writing about that, but no plugs. I, I just wanted to share one last kind of closing thought, which is about the same theme. And that is, um, at least the way I celebrate the Divine Liturgy, at the very beginning, you, the, the deacon, if there's a deacon, incense is around the holy table, the altar. And the way I was trained to do it is to take a prayer and break it into the four sides of that holy table, mm-hmm. or known as the altar. So I say for four fra- one prayer in four phrases. And what's beautiful about that is, Physically and thematically, you see four realities at once about our Lord. We say that we pray when your body was in the tomb and your soul in Hades, when you were in paradise with the thief, you were at the same time, Christ, as God upon your throne with the Father and the Spirit, infinite and filling all things. You know, that's true of our, our Lord and our God that when his body was in the tomb, his soul was in Hades. He was also in paradise with a thief and on the throne with the father. Mm. That is 
true of our lives at times. The sin that we have is undeniable, but as an opportunity for healing at the same time, it can help us to not despair and realize that there is, through that death, a, a resurrection and a union that can happen when we're open to God's mercy. So I just really want to encourage people to um, keep praying and let the words sink into you like those waves on the sea. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. One very practical thing I thought about that, and by the way, I, I've never heard, I know that prayer, of course, because I say to every divine liturgy since I don't have a deacon as I go around the holy table because the, it represents kind of the tomb. That's what Father David told us. Um, but but I, I love how you break it into four parts. I'm going to start doing that now. I'm 17 years into my priesthood. Um, but the uh, but there is, I, I had a, a, a spiritual child of mine, um, this is a while ago, tell me, um, describe a, like a, a full day of fighting temptation. Mm. And they just said, you know, I spent the whole day and I was fighting and I was fighting and fighting and fighting. And, and the way they described this fight, it was so visceral. I just, I could imagine in my mind, there's the, the, the battle between the angels, the demons, God and their heart, the image of God and the attacks, the demons and then history and remembrance and memory and all these horrible things that were going on. Um, and then at the end of the day, unfortunately they fell. Um, and the temptation and fell into sin. But I was so excited about the fight because I said, your fight was so much more, sh- like, like so much more courage and fortitude and dedication and perseverance than most Christians can ever do. And you did this in one day you fought. And, and, and they, they were expecting me to be so like, sad that they fell in the end, which of course I was, but like that fight was beneficial, so beneficial, even though the fall happened, like that experience of, of the spiritual battle. And that's, I think one of the ways that we can say, um, you know, we can be, we can be sinners and saints at the same time, in a sense, you know, uh, there, there's a, we can, we can be undergoing, Illumination at the same time we're undergoing purgation. We we can be we can be uh, you know receiving the grace of God for to have a good fight, even if we're falling into sin every once in a while. There, there's a, there's this overlap of of our sin and God's grace that and the devil only wants us to focus on the eventual mm-hmm. fall or only wants us to focus on the sin where, whereas the, we miss out on this whole, the battle and the process and the good that is there. Um, it's like you hear about these missionaries to pagan cultures where, you know, there's a, a good God and a bad God, a good force and a bad force. And the, the people that they encounter in these missionary travels are always more afraid of the bad than they are hopeful about the good. And that's how we are. We're always going to focus on sin rather than the good that happened. If we, if we fought for 24, 23 hours, and and resisted sin and grew in virtue and built up good habits and fell for one of those hours. We're we're going to focus on that on that hour that we fell and we should we should take that to confession. We should we should you know uh, want to undergo the spiritual therapy the Father Deacon talked about. Um, but at the same time, we we cannot uh, forget the grace of God that was there for so long, for so much of the day, for so much of that fight, even if we fell at the end, which we need to resist with everything in us. But, but, but the virtue was given to us during that fight and, and the two can happen alongside each other with, 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 with immense growth happening, even if it's behind the scenes by the, by the grace of God. So amen. Thank you for that idea, Father Deacon. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for... Um, for ending ending things on a note of hope, that's always good um, because that's what the Lord that's what the Lord does for us too. Um, all right, uh, please 
before I give prayer intentions, uh, please do be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter. Father Michael. Uh, Father Michael My has space. a Twitter. What about MySpace? <laughs> we're, we're Father Dean and Jonathan might ourself. be even more behind the times than, than me. Um, <laughs> The I I I never mind. I'm not going to say it. Um, I was talking about Napster today. Speak up behind the times. I was explaining to Valeria what Napster was. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Sister has no idea what it is either. <laughs> Ill- illegal music downloading. Back when I was in college. <laughs> that means that I wouldn't know what it was even if. <laughs> if That's it right because it's illegal. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh yes and then you know continue to leave reviews on apple Podcasts. that's been super helpful um we have youtube we have goodreads all of those things please check us out and the media team is amazing and you'll we're going to be loading up goodreads i wrote one two three four five six book references just that mentioned in this podcast so yeah i already put those into the spreadsheet while we were recording wow all right um yeah if you thought i was just like checking my emails or something like that uh and yeah, so prayer intentions. Um, please pray for this is coming out October thirteenth, I think. Mm. So, um, a couple, a couple weeks after Holy Protection. So you can please pray for. Well, pray for Sister Petra and myself because we'll be newly off of honeymoon as this comes out uh, after our life profession, and then also for. My home parish, Father Michael Lachlan's previous parish, well, and I guess his current parish because it's the same patronage, um, but Holy Protection of the Mother of God in Denver. And, and I our love whole them. eparchy. Yeah, that's eparchy true, the whole Phoenix, eparchy yeah. too. But I'm giving the, I can say this now since it's coming out after, I'm giving the parish a gift that I made for them um, at the occasion of my life profession that I've spent like several years on. So, <laughs> um, so I'm really excited to give them that. And yeah, please pray for them. And for Father Brian Escobedo, who's um, the priest there, who was the priest at Father Deacon Jonathan's parish. Mm-hmm. So, Father Michael, prayer intentions? Uh, yes, I just, um, I guess I didn't realize how late this is coming out. Um, but again, outside of space and time, uh, do please pray for Sister Natalia. Um, this is, <laughs> she's about to undergo, as we record this, um, a, a complete gift of self. Um, for the rest of her life, um, a dedication to trusting in what monasticism is, and and how God has has created monastic life, how he he underwent his passion, death, and resurrection, so that we can live our Christian lives. And she's doing this in in the most authentic and extreme way possible. Um, God has called her to that. God's invited her to that. And she has answered and said yes. And not only yes, but like the mother of God said, yes, please. Um, and I have had the absolute joy of walking along with her all this time. And so by the time this comes out, yeah, you'll be you'll be Mother Natalia and and only beginning, sister, um, the real work of ascetic life, monasticism, witness, all of that. Um, and the devil will be raging, raging, raging. So please pray for her. Um that she she lives out this life in a way of that she never loses her joy, she never loses her uh, devotion to the church, she never loses her her uh, 
love of witnessing to the wider world um, everything that she is is currently undergoing. Um, so and and nuns pray. That's what they do. Um, so let's make sure that we we accompany her in that prayer. So please, uh, even though this is a bit late, please please pray as you hear this. Uh, pray for Mother Natalia, who will uh, who continues to pray for us. Thank you. You know, Mother Cecilia said um, the other day, so it's like the journey to my life profession has just been crazy, right? Because mm-hmm. like starting last March, when two months out, it was delayed for the first of three times because of COVID. And then, um, and then fast forward to life profession retreat when there was the crazy first morning, most embarrassing moment of my life. We're not going to share that on the podcast. And then... <laughs> And then starts the hives, and then start, and then I come home on crutches, and then, and then finally, uh, you know, last week when I'm on day six of <clears throat> day six of quarantine now, but um, when I got COVID, Mother Cecilia was just like, you know, Sister Natalia, you've already clenched the award for craziest journey to life profession. <laughs> you can stop trying. And I was like, all right, I'll sister, I'll don't try. say no, finally. We still have over a week. I, I, I am, I am legitimately. <laughs> Praying every single day that that for the rest of this week, like it's it's coming down to it. I'm I'm I am not afraid of the devil at all. I I am very very trusting in our Lord, and I am I am very. Um, you are mocking the world, and you're mocking the devil by this by this life. But I I'm still very attentive to a week's a long time for the devil to continue to uh, put stones in the path that that you will triumph over gloriously through the power of God. But still. Um, Amen. So don't say finally yet. There, there might be yet be more battles and, and, and endurances <laughs> necessary. All right. Father Deacon Jonathan, prayer intentions? Well, since this is coming out on October 13th, I have to say happy birthday to my daughter, Juliana. She'll be Ooh. 11 on that day, which is kind of cool fantastic. because I feel very connected to this podcast for various reasons. Father Michael being one of my vocations directors and... Sister Natalia, I don't remember your previous name, but it's not supposed to be mentioned, so I won't mention <laughs> it. But my youngest uh, son, Nathaniel, was born the evening of December 5th when you got the name Natalia, which is after Nathaniel. I know. Same day, same year. It was really oh, interesting because wow. I was like, I wonder what name she's going to get. And then <laughs> I was at the hospital and I had baby Nathaniel, and then I found out she was named Natalia after uh, St. Nathaniel. So uh, keep you both cool. in my prayers as well as, as my kids. So. And my wife. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, awesome. Love it. Thank you. Father, give the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, have mercy on you. May our Lord always give you assurances of his not only love for you, not only care for you, but his his bond to you, the fact that you are in truly in his image, something that can never be taken away, never jettisoned. It is an indelible mark on your very creation from the moment of your conception and will extend into eternity. May you find that to be a a firm foundation. May you also find that firm foundation in your fellow humans, especially those who are the hardest to love. Um, May you always desire, therefore, to engage that image and to, to mirror it more directly in the likeness of God that that our Lord will guide you and give you every baby step of the way to engage in and allow your heart to be softened, empowered, strengthened, to undergo the process of catharsis, photesis, and theosis of purgation, illumination, and union with God that he will guide you in. Please 
trust and Lord, give these listeners the ability to trust in that process that you so love to guide us in. Please also bless your priests, bless your deacons, O Lord, bless your religious and bless all those who are following your will in any way, especially those who are listening now. May the Lord bless all of you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you again, Father Deacon Jonathan. It was good to see you both. You guys too. God bless you. Thanks.